Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group. Got a fun show today. I'll be joined by Dieter Kurtenbach, our sports columnist over at the Bay Area News Group and a radio host on KNBR to talk all things Warriors, what he saw in the first preseason game, what he's watching for in these games in Sacramento, and then some of his thoughts on the Warriors broadcast. Just a hint, he was not a fan of it. It's all coming up next. You are Locked On Warriors. Your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm here with my friend Dieter Kurtenbach, the columnist for the Bay Area News Group, my friend and colleague, uh, Dieter. Hi, Wes. We finally have basketball happening, and uh, it's it's been nearly nine months since the Warriors last played a game. It's been longer than that since Steph played a game, longer than that since the Warriors won a basketball game. But right. uh, we did have, the, they did win the preseason opener against Denver Saturday night. Um, we have talked a lot about what the Warriors might look like with basically months we've spent doing that and, and trying to guess what this thing would be. But what was your takeaway from their first game? Uh, I, I liked I liked that they were able to implement some of the things that they said they were trying to implement in training camp. That that shows that uh, at least conceptually, uh, everyone was kind of in on the same page. That's a good thing. Uh, I, you don't want to take really that much away. I mean, there's a lot of little things that I'm interested to see if they continue. But you know, clearly Steve Kerr, clearly they bought into what Steve Kerr said, in which we're going to run. And they already ran a pretty good amount. They're not a team that's really bogged down in the half-court offense on on principle. But they really did push the pace. Uh, Denver had no interest in really playing basketball for roughly three quarters of that game. So that helped. But uh, I think that they've ideologically bought in to what it is that they have to do to be successful. And so that's that's a good thing. That was obviously the the first place that you have to go when you're watching that team on Saturday night. The Warriors had this mission statement all along. We think we could be a top 10 defense. We're long, we're athletic. I talked to a handful of coaches. They all say the same thing. So the the clarity of um, what they want to communicate was right on point. And then when you watch that game, they were exa- they tried to be at least exactly what they aim to be, which is aggressive right. mm-hmm. and long and versatile and fast. And I thought they played fast offensively. They played fast defensively. There's mm-hmm. a way to play fast defensively. They did it. For sure. Uh, offensively, I've got questions because right. Steve Kerr said basically all along, they want to get this defense set first and foremost. And that's why you start somebody like Kevon Looney, who's your best defensive center, even if he takes a little bit off the table offensively. Right. But the offense man, that looked really disjointed. And I don't know that we could have expected anything different, but it was jarring all the same, right? And mm. I say this all the time about Steph. He makes the game easier for everybody, but he's hard to play with. And it's not because he's a bad teammate, but it's just because he's off of a different rhythm. He changes mm-hmm. the geometry in the game. We've heard that all the time. That's weird for basketball players who have never played with him before, right? And yeah. so I think we're, we're seeing that they're going to – and look, not having Draymond Green, that mattered. But one – Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But uh, it's going to take a while, I think, for guys like Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins, Eric Paschal, even Kent Bazemore has played a little bit with Steph. Like all, Brad mm-hmm. Wanamaker, it's going to take a minute for these guys to learn how to play with Steph because of the way he relocates and the way he's just – he doesn't follow the usual patterns uh, of playing basketball. 
the Warriors are trying to play fast, and no one plays faster than Stephen Curry. So uh, we're going to find out just how fast they can play based on how long it takes for these guys, if they ever do, catch up to catch up to Stephen Curry. Um, he, he's not going to slow down. Now, I, I have big philosophical questions, if you will, about how sustainable such a model is. Uh, they're going to be playing a lot of games in a short period of time, fingers crossed. And I obviously see that they're younger and that they're more dynamic. But even then, you know, Curry's got some miles on him. And, uh, you know, how much gas does he have in the tank to be able to play like that for 35 minutes a night for what they're going to need, which is 65 games at the least, <laughs> really 72. So um, there's that. I Listen, there's no question that not having Draymond is a big issue offensively because he is the one who is going to set the tone, maybe not the pace, but the tone of the offense. So much of this offense is Draymond gets the rebound after everybody cleared out. He didn't have to fight for it. And then he just pushes the ball up the court and everything revolves around Draymond. Um, And I think that it could work uh, under those circumstances. When you did that with other guys, it looked good. Listen, like I liked seeing Kelly Oubre bringing up the court. I like seeing Andrew Wiggins bringing up the court for no other reason than we hadn't seen it before. But when you have Steph bringing it up the court, guess what happens? Steph gets double teamed or triple teamed. And then other guys have to move off the ball. I saw a lot of stagnation uh, more than I thought I would. Uh, and again, that's to be understood in the sense of, man, I don't know how much time they've had to work on half court offense, but beyond, like, it, 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 you cannot be stagnant. If the Warriors have to be one of the best X's and O's teams in all of basketball this year. They just don't have the talent to keep up with the best of the best. And if they want to compete for a championship, they're going to have to execute better than anybody else. That's, that's the difference for them. And it's really tough to do that when you don't have the guy who sets the tone on offense, who is the fulcrum of your defense, when you don't have Wiseman, who is going to be a factor on this team. And, you know, we talked about the defense a little bit earlier, their interior defense sucked. It was terrible. Yeah, and James 60 points in the paint and and the Nuggets figured it out fast. It wasn't like Jokic was just Jokic was barely playing. It was, he was just driving to the hoop and help side not being there as again, you would expect early preseason, but you only got two more of these games uh, and nobody being there to actually protect the rim because Looney doesn't do it. Chris doesn't do it. Kelly Oubre apparently does it, but only after he gets beat one-on-one on the wing. So it's like, uh, I really thought they missed Draymond for that reason. With, right. He cleans up so much of that, not only because he's maybe he's still one of the best health defenders in the league. He's not the athlete he was. He's not guarding two people off the weak side like he once was or, cl- <laughs> yeah. or clearing the lane like he once did. But the communication, the know-how, all of that stuff, um, I think he's at that. I think he's at the veteran stage of Ray Lewis's mm. late Baltimore Ravens career, right? You don't want him in one-on-one coverage, but he definitely needs to be out there to get everybody in position. I just watched that Super Bowl the other day. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Why? Uh, I don't know. Weirdo. Good for you. Um, uh, No, and offensively, I thought they missed Draymond a whole lot too because you Mm -hmm. talk about that stagnation. Draymond Green is going to be so important offensively. And look, I don't think the numbers for Draymond are going to be off the charts this year. I don't even, I don't, I wouldn't even bet on him averaging double digit points. I think he's going to, but if he goes out there and averages eight, eight and eight a game, I think that's a huge win for golden state. I think he's going to be unbelievably important to the organizational principles, not only on defense, like we talked about, but on offense, where you're able to run the the Draymond Steph Curry pick and roll and everybody else, everybody else is able to play off of that. This team, there was, there were flashes to me in that first game that I think this team could be really 
interesting and fun to watch when Draymond Green is out there. My, my thought coming out of that first game, and again, understanding that everything should just be lathered in salt. I mean, you want to brine this bad boy. Um, is that I think that they are going to be in, interesting is the right word. That doesn't necessarily have a positive or negative connotation. They are I going mean, hey, to look. It's positive for me because last year's team was not interesting. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, it, it is positive in that way. Like you're going to want to watch. I don't know if necessarily they're going to win more than right. they lose. Right. I, I still, I still don't know if that's the case. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of games this upcoming year, which are entirely decided by schemes. I mean, this is this is something that we see, and sorry to do this to basketball-only people, but like we see in the NFL a lot, just bad matchups. We talk about it in the playoffs in the NBA a lot too. Uh, it's just a bad matchup for them. I think there are going to be a lot of matchup games this year, if not the vast majority, if not all of the games are going to be matchup games. The Warriors want to do one thing. They want to run. They want to be long and young and athletic, and they want to fire threes. That's another fun thing that we can take away. It looks like they're just going to be chucking this year, and they have no reason not to. Um, you know, everything, <laughs> all of Steve Kerr's, you know, tried and true tenets of how to be successful had to get thrown out the window over uh, the last 18 to 24 months. So it's our team's going to want to run with them. And there are some teams that do want to run. And there are some teams who are going to be better at running than the Warriors. And they're going to get their butts kicked a couple of times. I mean, probably early too. And there are some teams that want to play slow and really want to be methodical in the half court. And the Warriors are going to run them right out of their game. And we, you know, we, they, the talent level isn't to the point where when the Warriors engage, therefore it is over. The Warriors are going to have to be engaged from minute one. They are going to get a lot of teams because they have a lot of talent mm -hmm. and they are going to be got by a lot of teams because they won't be able to impose their will because the talent just isn't there to where you can impose your will on a game. And I'm just fascinated to see that, that back and forth battle between the Warriors and the rest of the Western conference and the entire NBA, because this is how most teams operate. They think about matchups on a night in night out basis right. and they yeah. worry about, they worry about the scheme and they're going to have to throw in some stuff that is bespoke for one game in, you know, January, like they're going to have to worry about it. Steve Kerr hasn't had to worry about a game by game game plan in any serious way for three years minimum. Right. I mean, we're going to find out a lot about this coaching staff. And I think that they relish that opportunity. I'm not sure if they're going to feel the same way come February, March. I'll be right back with Dieter. But first, this episode is brought to you by 1010. Now you may have read about this in the New York Times or in Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design makers have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. So if you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this is exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. That's a really good point because Steve Kerr's job when he first took this group over was to get them over the hump from right. where they were with Mark Jackson. Then you introduce a Kevin Durant and now it's ego management. It mm -hmm. is 
uh, which is one of, to me, the most challenging things in this league. There are very few coaches who can manage egos, and they tend to keep no jobs. The last year for Steve, it was about behind-the-scenes player development, right? And that's mm-hmm. why you you saw him uh, hire, you know, 17 more player development coaches or whatever, and and all it was all about developing the bench and, and the young players and all that. This year, I think you're absolutely right. It's exactly what you it's about X's and O's. It's about scheme. Mm-hmm. It's about, all right, op, what can you do? Can you, Steve Kerr, with your offense, create another 10 to 15 points per game offensively? Yes. Uh, with your schemes on offense, can you create two or three really big stops on defense? Mm-hmm. And I, and that to me now is where if he can execute that at a certain level, he starts to approach the ranks of guys that we consider you know, the do-it-all coaches, the Greg Popovich, Eric Spolstra. Mm-hmm. People would put Brad Stevens in that group. I'm not yet there. No. But with the way Brad Stevens at least manufactured points but... early in Boston before Jason Tatum became what he is, right. I thought was what, is sort of the thing that Steve Kerr needs to figure out. If this scheme can hit that level, it's going to be huge for him. Well, and I'm glad that you brought up a guy like Jason Tatum. Uh, this team still very much lacks a bucket getter. Yeah. And um, – I don't necessarily think that that's the role you want Steph playing for the entire year, because if Steph is playing the role of bucket getter, your team stinks. Um, You want Steph to be the agent of chaos and Steph to be the arbiter of all good things offense. And if Steph scores 10 points, you can still have 120 point output in a game because he creates so much and he takes those double teams and he's a decoy. You want Steph and his full Stephness, which is moving around, not needing to be on the ball, just making a defense's life hell. The problem is I'm still extremely skeptical about Oubre, Wiggins, whomever else, being able to just get a bucket. And this team really looked like it struggled after about 10 seconds ran off the shot clock. Once we got to that 14 second mark on the shot clock, they're like, uh, now what? Because now we don't have any pace. Now it's slowed down. Now a defense is set. And it turned into a lot of Kelly Oubre just deciding to, you know, get up a shot. Wiggins doing a step back three, like, that's not good offense. And I, I liked what Kent Bazemore did in that game. Kent Bazemore is not doing that more than once a week, and once a week would be a gift. I mean, he was awesome. He was really good. And he's a solid NBA player. He's a pro. Same with Brad Wanamaker. He's a pro. This team's ceiling from last year to this, or sorry, the floor from last year to this year is significantly higher just because they have two pros coming off the bench as opposed to starting a bunch of kids and then bringing even more kids off the bench who have no idea what they're doing and are getting their ass kicked trying to find out how. Brad Wanamaker is going to hold his own. He might not score, but he's going to give you quality possessions on both ends of the court. Same thing with Kent Bazemore. He can give you a bucket every now and again. He might steal you a game or two. He's probably not going to lose you a game or two. That raises your floor. The issue is those aren't guys that you can count on for more than 15 to 20 minutes a night. I think Wanamaker can close games. I think Bazemore can you know be an important part of the offense as the season goes on, but those are ancillary players to the overall operation. This thing rides so much on Wiggins and Oubre. And I didn't see anything from Oubre. Other, uh, uh, okay, I'll, I'll caveat with this. He showed more focus than I thought he would for a preseason game. 
he's a very good, no one's ever questioned the kid's talent and he's going to be a good player for them. Like I, I do want to, I've been lowering expectations, but that's only because expectations got so far out of whack with what he is. He's a very good player and a very solid pickup. I wouldn't have paid $80 million for him, but in a normal circumstance, great pickup and still probably a great pickup. They maximize that opportunity to get somebody with that player exemption that Andre Iguodala created when they traded him. He's a really good player. But I saw a lot of, you know, going for steals, which is fun until it isn't. I saw a lot of not looking around for passing to teammates. Uh, and, and maybe some of that is just getting into the rhythm and understanding stuff. And you want to give him some time and the benefit of the doubt. But man, he looked like a guy who was told, hey, we're going to need you to get some buckets. And I liked the cutting. I like the way, he, I like his length. I like a lot of the stuff that he does. If he can focus it. He can be a really good player, a borderline all-star. If he can't focus it, he's a liability, and he's going to give up as many wins as he gives this team. And again, that's a starter. That's somebody that you have to be, you have to feel like you can rely on. And right now, I would feel like the reliable guys are Curry, Draymond to a degree. You never know what you're going to get at center. Maybe Looney, but Looney, I mean, is he a one-win player? I mean, I don't know. Right. The four reliable guys you have are Draymond, <laughs> Draymond, Steph, Bazemore. And Wanamaker, it's just not going to get it done. You need guys to make a jump. You need guys to become consistent players. And one preseason game isn't going to prove it. You see some positives. You see some negatives. But, man, um, again, (laughs) everyone's talking about Oubre. Like, he's the be-all to end-all. Let's see. He could be, but let's see. What we saw in the first preseason game, and this is what I'm going to be interested to see if that was just a one-off or if this is the trend, right? Because there's no way to know. And I'm not going to bother guessing. But it's something that I'm watching. When Draymond Green was out, Andrew Wiggins was initiating a lot of offense. And mm-hmm. it was the box score was not as friendly to me as the eye test. Uh, he, yes. He had one assist, two turnovers. That's a terrible rate. That's the opposite ratio of what you want. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought he actually looked more in command, more in control than yes. the 12 games he played last year. He seemed calm. And I would like to see him even maybe ratchet that up and, and maybe force the issue a little bit more. But yeah. it would start with Ubre, and again, or I'm sorry, it would start with Wiggins and end with Ubre a lot. And mm-hmm. not having Draymond Green in there is a big part of that. Now, I, I think when Draymond is in there, it's going to start with Draymond and end with one of Ubre or Wiggins. I think it will mostly, here's the thing that I noted in the game. I think it's going to end with Ubre a lot because Ubre wants it. Right. Yeah. And Wiggins is just not a guy who wants it. And, and it, this, is, this is such a, a, a terrible paradox for him to be stuck in. You want him to not be the man but you also want him to want to be the man. I, I have no idea how this guy's supposed to win because he can do it. You, you want him to be an ancillary player. You want him to be that third guy, but now you need him to be the second guy because Ubre is liable to do something stupid because he wants it so bad. Ubre thinks he's the second and he needs to be the third. Wiggins is Wiggins the second has, and he thinks he's the third. Right, exactly. Wiggins has the skill set. Ubre has the mindset. And now, if you can mesh them, if you can find a way for those it? two guys to play together, right. and they and they have a they get simpatico and an understanding and get all ku on us, which I don't think is a good thing, but here here we are. Like then now we have something. Now we have something that that can mesh. But I, I don't know, man. I don't think that they play poorly together. I'm no. just not sure about how they do play together. Exactly, and that that's me. I'm not ready to start guessing how that's going to work out, but it yeah. is something I am watching every single game. Oh, for sure, and. The Warriors, the, what's, the, the rotation is going to be similar of past years where you take your top four players and you pair them off throughout the game and you mm-hmm. stagger those four. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Warriors are going to do. They're going to stagger 
They're going to they're gonna play Steph and Draymond as much as they can together. They're going to play Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins as much as they can together because, mm-hmm. believe it or not, Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre are now the, among the top four players on this team. No question. And you're going to see those two guys play a lot together. And that sort of tug of war throughout the year is just something I am so interested in. Uh, I want to move on to these final two preseason games in Sacramento. Yeah. We'll be right back, but first, life can be stressful even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes, and that's Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and easy-to-use app. Headspace is the one and only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Are you overwhelmed? Well, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditation guides for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I could tell you that that's true from experience. I downloaded the Headspace app three years ago, and I still haven't taken it off my phone. I still use it regularly, especially when I'm on the road in between games, and I just need a minute to sit down and gather my thoughts and just practice mindfulness. This isn't hard stuff, okay? Meditation is not drowning out the noise for 20 minutes at a time and not thinking about anything. No, your brain is not too busy to try meditating. If you feel like you're that kind of person, you need this more than anybody does. This teaches you the practice of mindfulness uh, in a very easy way that is that, that can help you continue your practice for years to come. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace's meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash lockedonnba. That's headspace.com slash lockedonnba for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash NBA today. Speaking of things to watch for, what are you watching for in these games? Well, I'm looking to see if Steph can find ways to be effective while also being you know, bombarded. I'm looking to see Steph get into a rhythm to get into a groove. And uh, maybe Sacramento is going to be very helpful in that regard. Uh that, that's what I would like to see. I'd like to see Steph go semi-nuclear once for a half, uh, just on the basis of they're going to need that a lot this year. And again, as I said earlier, Steph can be hyper-effective on the offensive end by scoring 10 points so long as he's creating chaos. He's, he's, I don't have any question in my mind that Steph is going to be able to create chaos. The question is, can everyone else on the team keep up with him? Because he ain't slowing down. He has been given a green light of all green lights, just in the same way Steve Kerr tells him he can shoot anywhere he wants. Steph doesn't have to go stand anywhere. He's just going to be, he's a rover coach. He's a rover. And uh, so I I need to see him be a little bit, you know, more, I I don't want him to be demanding. It would just be nice to see him in one of these two games, just go Steph, just go absolutely crazy. Shoot some 35 footers, some 40 footers, and just remind everybody, hey, we we got this. Because I, I just don't think that him not being the epicenter, and this isn't to say force up shots, but just get a flow going, get a rhythm going, have a Steph Curry flurry just once, just so I know what it looks like, just so I can see how the other guys play off of it. 
Um, and, and you know what? That would probably help those other guys a little bit too because they're waiting for it. You could tell that they wanted to do it and then they're like, well, maybe it's not a Steph night. And, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a trepidation in the air uh, until he does it. Until there he is. does it. Uh, there's a trepidation in the air from fans, from his teammates who haven't seen it in, up close and in person. I absolutely agree with that. It, yeah. it did feel to me, like you mentioned the stagnation before on offense. It felt to me like there was still that stagnation when Steph was on the floor because you've got Ubre and Wiggins looking you around. Get, okay, where is that guy? What do yeah, I do you want to get them going. You want them to find right. their game, but you also need, you want, you understand that it's his thing. Yes. Everything is Steph Curry. So it's like, he hasn't gotten going yet. Am I allowed to get going? <laughs> Right. And it's like everybody is asking that same question. And Kelly Uber answered that in the affirmative, by the way. He is just like, I am allowed to get going whenever I want. That's you right. love the confidence. You love the confidence because last year, well, I don't know, maybe we're jaded from last year when the only man who was more confident than Steph Curry was the point guard for the Golden State Warriors. And that didn't end up all that great for him. So maybe there's some trepidation with confidence, but luckily he plays a different position this time around in, in Kelly Oubre. So, right. Um, that's, yeah, what, I, no, that's what I'm watching for too. And specifically in these games against Sacramento, we might be able to see some offense get going because look, Luke Walton is not known for playing fast. He got to Sacramento. Yeah. He, he saw the Aaron Fox. He's like, I got the fastest point guard in the NBA. I want to play with one of the slowest paces, uh, but they, <laughs> they just, did figure it out a little bit last they year. They did toward the end of the year. They hired Alvin Gentry. And I think yeah. he's basically going to take over the offense or he should. Yes. And, and so if we know anything about Alvin Gentry, it's that he does like to play fast. Fingers so I crossed. I think we're going to see, that team play quickly which be will be fun for these two games for the warriors like hey we really want to play fast the kings are going to say we really want to play fast and they're going to say let's go play fast and and they're going to defense optional defense optional which is great it's the preseason i don't really want to see any defense i want to see a lot of points i want to see this offense get going defensively i don't have I, I think we kind of know what this team is going to look like. It's going to get better as the season goes on. They've mm-hmm. got the length. They're going to they're going to lunge and try to get some steals. Sometimes mm-hmm. it'll work. Sometimes they're going to get taken advantage of. Yeah. Uh, and then Kevon Looney is going to start at center, and he's going to be a reliable guy there. And Draymond Green coming back will help on that end. I want to offense. see more. I want to see more defense turning into offense, and I'd like yeah. to see. I'd like to see you know the second wave of that offense into defense develop a little bit more. It, it looked. It looked like there was some sand in those gears. They knew what to do, obviously. Okay, we got a steal. Okay, there was a loose ball. Okay, here's a rebound. Go, go, go. And everybody go to the hoop, and you guys go stand out here. But when a team gets back in transition on defense, which might not happen in these two games, it'll be nice to see the Warriors be able to do that semi-transition stuff and then be able to, you know, this is where Oubre could be an excellent, excellent player. He's a good cutter. He really is. That would be an awesome spot. There, cutting. Same thing with Wiggins. You're on, if you're on the perimeter and you, then you have the secondary transition, the semi-transition situation, guy who's at the basket, get the hell out. Guy who's not at the basket, get the hell in. It's a very simple thing, but if you can execute it and you can find you know, the musical notes of the game, Steph Curry, Draymond, whomever has the ball, they're, they're going to find you. Like that, that is the beauty of the Warriors. So maybe, you know, then a step beyond that, you know, I want to see how they pass, but preseason. It's all, it, right, and it's all part of the same thing and it'll be not just these two preseason games but for the entire regular season Steve yeah. has basically said we need to get the defense going now and the offense will come later because he understands that the offense is not we talked about the schemes and all the things that he could do and there are things he could do to encourage ball movement swing cut swing pass cut mm-hmm. all that stuff mm-hmm. uh he could he can he could do that but ultimately what's going to make this thing magical is just time together in that chemistry um 
It seems like you have one last lap. Go ahead. Well, it, it's funny because the first game that they're going to play in the regular season is against the Brooklyn Nets. Fingers crossed again, because who the hell knows how the hell any of this is going to go. Okay. But you know, I watched uh, a, a good portion of the Nets game last night. They don't seem like a team that wants to push it. They seem like a team that has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So they want more time so that they can do cool Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving things. Mm -hmm. So that is going to be a fascinating matchup because if the Warriors are just id and the Nets are just ego, that's kind of one of the fun basketball quandaries that we argue a lot with like Russell Westbrook versus James Harden and stuff like that. Like so many teams can be broken down into those philosophical areas, those psychological areas. Uh, I, that that matchup is going to be absolutely – it's going to be kind of bizarre. Uh, Durant looked great. Kyrie looked great. Kyrie's a little bit slimmer. It's always been a good team in, in, in Brooklyn. Uh, I think Steve Nash and his, you know, uh, coterie of coaches are, are doing a good job. I, I'm really interested in that game because I don't think it's going to tell us anything big picture, but I do feel like they're extremely contrasting styles. And for some reason, I want them – because it feels so big, I want them to prepare – this preseason as if they're preparing for just the Brooklyn Nets. That's some, somewhere deep in part of me, I can't shake the fact that they're only playing them once and then they leave and go play 71 other games. I really want to see how they play against them. Though. I guess they play them one more time in, in, in San Francisco. But I, want to see, I want to see Steph Curry do exactly what you were just talking about and just put his mark on that game. If he yeah. can leave, If he can leave that matchup with Brooklyn as the high scorer, that would be such a win for Warriors fans. I mean, that oh. would get everybody. It would be. Everybody It'd be, be actually pretty out. annoying if we're being honest. It would make my game story so easy. And, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. There's no question about that. You, you, that column writes itself, my friend. That's uh, right. Um, speaking of columns that write themselves, your impression yeah. quickly of the uh, broadcast uh, from from that Warriors preseason game. I, I thought it was uh, embarrassing. Um, I fully understand that. That is a Golden State Warriors production. Just in the same way I understand when the Giants, you know, do their homerism on some of their broadcasts. And I, I, I work at KMBR. I, I'm a, I don't get any direction in that regard, but I also understand that, you know, hey, I know who pays bills. I, I'm, not, I'm not out here. You know, I get in trouble with the Giants a lot. And I like the Giants. Uh, but it, it, I know who pays the bills. I understand that you got to kiss the ring, all this stuff. The level of propaganda that was going on on that broadcast was, I really don't think, and I'm going to go back and really find out and torture myself, I really think that they've ratcheted up a couple of notches in terms of just disconnection from reality. You would have thought that going into that preseason game that the Warriors were just coming off of a sixth straight championship. Um, the way that they try, I, I was just being gaslit for two and a half hours. The Joe Lakeup interview is understandable and I actually thought fairly interesting. After about five minutes, it stopped being fairly interesting. After about five extra minutes of Joe Lakeup taking up a third of my television screen, I have a 75 inch television. I have plenty of real estate. I prefer to not have Joe Lakeup on it. I turned on the Warriors game. And by the way, interesting basketball happening at that same juncture, all while Bob, Bob Fitzgerald is going on and just, just frothing, just frothing at the mouth. I mean, it's just... I can't, I can't say what I really think he was doing the entire time, but it was just, it was clearly, clearly it, there's no self-respect in that regard. Clearly this is just a, a media operation from the Warrior Central News Agency. And that's really disappointing because 
I don't think that outside of a very small proportion of fans who are just absolute lunatics, and listen, you and I both get plenty of <laughs> interaction with those lunatics. I got a bunch of you know emails saying, thank you so much for saying something. And then I got a couple, I got a couple, which are just like, I don't think they're that bad. And it's like, dude, you also thought that last year was enjoyable to watch. I mean, this is literally an email conversation I had at four o'clock this morning. Like, you thought this team was enjoyable to watch? What are you taught last year? They, they sucked. They sucked when they even had better players. Like, it was, what are we doing here? Like, you have a good, you, have, you should have a recollection of what good basketball looks like. You've seen the Warriors in every year but last. They were the, exa- they were the example of great basketball. Um, so, listen. Outside of that 1%, I really do think that's a 1% of fans. I understand that there's always going to be a Warriors tilt. I want there to be a Warriors tilt. I'm watching the Warriors game. But to just lie all the time, to turn it into Newsmax is is totally laughable. And it's clear that it's only for an audience of bootlickers and people at one Warriors way. And I thought better of the people at one Warriors way. I was stupid for doing that. And uh, I think that is a complete disservice to the actual fans, Warriors fans, and this is not pandering, very smart. Very, yeah, this yeah, is absolutely. an incredibly smart fan base. When you suffer as long as you suffered and you stuck it out, you did it. And people who got in late, they learned fast that you better know your shit in order to hang around with these Warriors fans. I mean, it, it has been a blessing to me covering this team that the fan base is going to be all over your ass if you don't know what the hell you're talking about for even a minute. Mm-hmm. And uh, perhaps I've made it longer than I should have in that regard. The fact that they can get away with just such frothiness and the fact that, you know, when Jim Barnett was there in the booth and, and I like Jim a lot and, and, you know, we've had many, I don't know if we're friends, but we're, we're closer than acquaintances. Let's put it that way. Um, he could check Fitzgerald's homerism. Mm-hmm. There was, there was just a, a distinguishedness. I don't know what the right word. He was a, he's a distinguished analyst. He would call it like he seed it. And he was very complimentary of the Warriors because there was a lot to be complimentary about. And when they stunk, he'd let you know. And that level of authenticity and objectivity was so valued, especially in, you know, in counter to what Fitzgerald was doing. And by the way, Fitzgerald just keeps getting worse because it's being sent from on high. The people who sign his paychecks clearly like when he does the propaganda. You got to keep the paycheck. It's a very good paycheck. He's an exceptional basketball broadcaster, and we saw that in the bubble, and he was just excited for basketball. And he channels all of that into carrying Joe Lacob's water, and Joe Lacob is an exceptional owner, and this is, I think, a massive misstep. I think it it, it just belittles the intelligence of the fan base. And in a year where it's so important for the broadcast to be palatable, I think it's gotten markedly worse. And I hope that it's a one-off. I hope that if we complain enough, they'll tone it the hell down. But man, it was, it, it got me to the point where I was thinking, is Denver broadcasting this game? I mean, Tommy Hyacin, God rest his soul, would think that that was over the top. Wow. Uh, well, look, I was at the game. I did not listen to the broadcast. You should, tr- you, should I, you should try to subject yourself to this nonsense. Well, I will, right? In these It's painful. Games. And so uh, I will, I'm very interested to find out about it, but I, I knew that monitoring Twitter while that game was going on, that something was different about the broadcast and, and, and about the homerism and all the things that you talked about. You're 100% right. This is the year where when fans can't go to games, the broadcast is so important. And I don't know if they understood that importance and said, well, because Warriors fans can't go to games, 
we're gonna homer the the hell out of this thing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's a correction because we know that they've heard it. And I don't blame. I don't blame I don't anybody for blame, doing it. I don't blame Fitzgerald. I don't blame anybody. Fitzgerald's a friend. He's been on the show. I, like I do Bobby. think you're right. I, I think that it's it's a little bit of a state media type deal. And this might be some some direction from the Warriors and they need to correct it because you're right. Maybe you can get away with this in Oklahoma City. You can't where you should, in a, in a smart way, fan base like the Golden State Warriors. Too big a market. It's I mean, too big of a market. You they're going to have the, the Warriors NBA TV just broadcast the local feed. Right. If you have an NBA TV game, which the Warriors have five in the first half, they broadcast the home feed. I can't remember the home road split. You cannot put this on a national broadcast. You can't do it. Despite the fact that you have a national broadcast level broad, you know, play by play guy. And Kalena is very good. But it, it is. And I don't think that there's some letter from on top saying Joe Lacob wants you to, you know, really comment on the scouting and developing department. Right. This is just this is just the same way that when your wife or your girlfriend says that she likes something, you just keep doing it a lot because you, you're too, you know, it's, that's just life. You're just trying to appease and you're trying to make sure that everybody stays happy and you got a good thing and you don't want to ruin it. And somebody's just like, oh, you know, Joe Lacob really likes it when you talk positively about Joe Lacob. And then that has morphed into, you know, levels and levels and levels. And there's no regulatory commission in the booth with them. I mean, honestly, Jim Barnett was the, the, the governing plate on that engine of propaganda. And now it's not there. And Kalena Azabuki, who is a very good analyst and, and it will be very successful, does not have the cachet to tell Bob that he's out of his goddamn mind when he's telling us right after Alan Smilagic just had the weirdest four minutes that you'll ever see on a basketball court that the Warriors scouting and development is the best of the best and the elite. Like, how, how are we, you can't gaslight me for 48 minutes and then you know, pretend like it didn't happen. They need to tone it down. I think that you know, if enough people complain, it might tone down. But I, again, I don't think that this is some directive from on high. I think this is just Fitzgerald hearing that this is what the ownership liked and ownership has not corrected him at all because they really do like it. They really yeah. like it. And so we're just going to have this weird situation until ownership is like, hey, maybe not so much. Like you could mention some negative things. It'd be great to, it'd be great to hear some negative things about this Warriors team. It's a good team. It's and very you need simple. that market correction. It's simple. When they're playing well, talk about how they're playing well and why they're yes. playing well. And when they're playing poorly, talk about that they're playing poorly and why they're playing poorly. That's it. That's 100%. the job. You just need, and Bob Fitzgerald is among the best in the business at just clean and concise Ugh. delivery. He is so clean. And, and you watch a lot of these NBA TV, if you've Ugh. got league pass, you can go around the league and Bob's a perfect, like he's, he's Bob's really a pros pro speaking. And Kalena is too. Both of yes. them should, it should be an exceptional booth. It really should. It should be the best of the best. It should be a national level booth. Yeah. Really should. And, and the fact that you put it on NBA TV, you never know. The same thing, this, this might be a little too in the weeds for some people, but the San Jose Sharks have a, a professional level booth. Yes. And they will put on the San Jose Sharks on the national feed and they just take it down half a notch, just half a notch. They don't mention the Sharks as much. And they just call the game. And it's fantastic. It's comfortable. Yes. You're, you don't have to sell us on this. We have brought you into our home. And we're going to do it night in, night out. If you're in the Bay Area and you're tuning in for a Warriors preseason game, you're already in. You don't have to keep selling us on it. We showed up for a preseason game after they lost, they lost 50 games out of 65 last year. We showed up. It's fine. 
Trust yourself. Trust the product. It is a very good product. It is not as good, but that's a good problem to have, that you were so good that nothing will ever compare. And they, it just, just take it down a notch. Bob Fitzgerald, when he was doing the bubble, was so good. And I would, I would enjoy deeply. I, I commented time and time again. He's been fantastic at this because all of that enthusiasm that he has, and God bless him for having enthusiasm. I only have vitriol. He has all this enthusiasm and he channeled it into the sport of basketball. And I got excited watching games because he's a very clean play-by-play guy. He was excited for both of the teams and the exceptionalism that they presented on a night-in, night-out basis. You know, he would comment on Adam Silver and what a great job he's doing and all that stuff, but he was doing a great job. And yes, the Warrior Scouting and Developing Department does deserve kudos, but don't go over the top and don't do it after you try to gaslight me and tell me that Smiley Geach is having a good game when he doesn't know what the hell he's doing out there. Like, just don't, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me in the sake of, you know, making your bosses happy. They need to, they need to tone it down about 10 X. I don't want to have to talk about this for the rest of the year, but we're going to have to, because this is ultimately one of the biggest ways the warriors are presenting. If you have a bad broadcast that reflects more than having a bad basketball team when you're in a season where you can't go to the damn game, you can't go to the damn game. And, um, I, I just, I, it's something that I'm passionate about in general, uh, broadcasting and how teams present it. And, and that game, I mean, I, I'm watching it with my wife. My wife is a diehard Warriors fan. I mean, she's hardcore now, which is a terrible thing that I've afflicted upon her because I have to watch these games and she's sitting there and now she just cares. I mean, she's yelling at Looney on the television screen to move off the ball. She doesn't, she didn't know shit about basketball. And even she was like, this is a lot. Wow. See, that's me is the absolute mark because you're passionate about this. It's something I care about, but we're to nerds. have somebody, but we're nerds to have the average consumer consumer. Yeah. Say something about it speaks to me. And that's why I think I saw it popping up on my social media feed. So as mm-hmm. much as it did is because it, do, it is over the top and you're right. They need to, they do need to tone it down. Um, it's, and we're going to watch it. And uh, you and we're I, gonna watch. I think, it. I think it will be fine. I think that the message will be received and it w- yeah. I, I sure hope so. Because if, if I know the message has been received, I got enough texts that I know the message has been received right. and uh, that's great. The question is what happens now. And I'm fascinated to know if nothing changes, why nothing changed and who is responsible for that. Mm-hmm. And I will find out. And I will expose them. <laughs> Investigative journalism of the highest order. Uh, Dieter, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, always great talking with you. Absolutely, Wes. Talk soon. Thanks again to Dieter for joining the show. We're days away from the start of the NBA regular season. And this week on the Locked On NBA podcast, we are previewing every team division by division. Get intel on each team, waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from rejecting the screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get podcasts. Also remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors wherever you get podcasts. Please rate, review, and say nice things about the show. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WCGoldberg or email them to wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and I'll see you here tomorrow morning.